visit patreon.com slash sword and laser. Sword and Laser hopes you will enjoy this program. Welcome to the Sword and Laser. I'm Veronica Belmont. And I'm Tom Merritt. Sword and Laser is a book club, but it's oh so much more. We bring you author interviews, news from the world of science fiction and fantasy, and of course, awesome discussions from fans just like you. And madness. We're bringing madness this week. Oh so much madness. March kind of madness. <laughs> yes, that was the that was the uh, the inference we were making there. Um, <laughs> a little bit more on that very shortly. Uh, but are you, Tom, you drinking anything for this March Madness kickoff? Or I'm is anything... madly drinking some San Pellegrino. I am madly still a little hungover from the Sword and Laser book club last night in which I had two, count them, two and a half glasses of wine. It's a half that always gets you. It's yeah. always, yeah, yeah. yeah. So that was fun. We had a good we had a good showing. We had seven people. Oh, that's great. I'm sadly going to miss the L.A. meetup this weekend, but it is happening this weekend. If you're in L.A., uh, check the Goodreads or the Discord. Uh, but I have to go up to my sister-in-law's to take care of a brand new baby. No, bye-bye. I don't have to take care of it. I have to help out with other things, but I get to meet the baby. No, bye-bye. Yay. You remind me of the babe. What babe? The babe with the power. What power? The power of who do you do? Who do? Wait. Who do? do you do? Do what? Remind me of the babe. Remind me of the babe. Um, all right. Yeah. So it's it's a March Madness unveiling time. And yeah. thank you to Rob, as always, for organizing. Um, he's amazing. And for everybody who submitted ideas. And of course, the way that March Madness works is that Rob opened up a thread uh, over on Goodreads and people essentially had an opportunity to nominate a book. And I think you could either nominate a new book or second a book. You couldn't do both. Right. You could only do one choice. Book. Yeah. One choice. Uh, and then uh, Rob would do rolling tallies of this uh, throughout the process while the nominations were open. And then Tom and I look at those nominations and kind of make decisions based on how much votes everything got or if there's something we really wanted to read and put together a bracket of 16 books, which are eight sword and eight laser. And then we'll vote. Yeah. The uh, the books that got quite a few nominations are all in here uh mm-hmm. you can you can check that by by looking at rob's list against uh, the brackets once they're up um but the the rest of it was just kind of picked for balance you know to, to kind of give give different types of authors different types of stories uh and and to make sure we had eight swords and eight lasers too uh because because it's a tournament uh if you're not aware how tournaments work uh each book will go up against one other book in a poll uh, so since we have 16 books, there'll be eight polls the first week. And then the winner of each poll will advance and go up against one other book. And then the next week we'll have four polls. And then we'll have two polls until the very last week. We have one poll, two books. And the winner of that very final poll uh, will have never lost a poll and become our April book pick. And uh, for those of you who are just joining us for the very first time, uh, we actually one time in Sword and Laser's history did have a tie in the final bracket, in the final vote. Um, It was between uh, V.E. Schwab and N.K. Jemisin, if I remember correctly. Mm -hmm. 
And ultimately, um, we picked the V.E. Schwab novel only because we had read N.K. Jemisin and they both sounded amazing. So not only because, but, you know, we we had already picked one, so it made it a little bit easy for us. Um, but one way that we kind of solve for this moving forward is that Tom and I traditionally don't vote uh, because we want to make sure it's up to you guys. And so if there is a tiebreaker necessary, perhaps we will at that point uh, vote. Yeah. Um, but just so you know, yeah, we get so the final, yeah. call, we get the final call. I guess. If there's a tie, <laughs> if there's we're the a vice tie. president in the Senate. We get to vote only if there's a tie. Useless otherwise, except in this very limited <laughs> case. Exactly. Uh, well, let's get to the uh, the brackets. Uh, uh, shall Shall we start with the first sword matchup? Sure. Uh, so for the first sword matchup, um, the never ending story by Michael Endy. End. It's Endy? he's German, so who knows? It could be Enda? end. Onda, onda. Uh, it's translated by Ralph Mannheim. He's easier for us English speakers to say. Yes, and it's up against the Bear and the Nightingale by Catherine Arden. So the never-ending story is the classic tale of the boy in the book and and all of that uh, that was made into a movie. The Bear and the Nightingale came out in 2017, and it's a, a debut novel, uh, hmm. a winter story full of magic and monsters. Very cool. Uh, for the next bracket, we have The Land Founding by Alaron Kong, uh, up against Rivers of London slash Midnight Riot by Ben Aronovich. Yeah, so The Land Founding uh, is the first book in a series. It's also a debut novel. Mm. Um, it's kind of told as a Ready Player One cyberpunk video game fantasy though. Uh, it's, it's welcome to the land tricked into a world of banished gods, demons, goblins, sprites, and magic. Richter must learn to meet the perils of the land and begin to forge his own kingdom. Fantastic. So I could have gone in the sword side a, a little bit, maybe, but it's I mostly see. about gods and monsters. So it ended up there. And then Midnight Riot, uh, has been in the tournament before, uh, it's also called Rivers of London, and it's what would happen if Harry Potter grew up and joined the fuzz, says Diana Gabaldon. <laughs> Perfect. Uh, for the next bracket, we have uh, The City of Brass by S.A. Chakraborty and The Bloodprint by Asma Zahanat Khan. Asma? Asma? Asma. Asma? Yeah, I think. Zahanat Zahana Khan. Khan. Zahana yes. Khan. Uh, so City of Brass, we've actually talked about on the show before, uh, of course. A, a very, I don't want to give it, uh, I don't want to push things either way, but I have discussed publicly that I very much enjoyed this series. Um, what, the first two novels are out already. Um, and of course, we have had uh, her on the show before we've as well as an interview. On the show. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, streets of 18th century Cairo, Nari is a con woman. She makes her living swindling Ottoman nobles, forced to flee. She journeys across the desert with friends, uh, meets mythical uh, creatures, and uh, of course encounters the legendary city of Brass, uh, Dev- Davabad. So mm-hmm. that's City of Brass. The Bloodprint uh, is a, according to S.A. Chakraborty, <laughs> A po- it's not written by her, remember. This is her blurb. A poetic prose and mix of history, faith, and adventure reminiscent of a post-apocalyptic odyssey with a pair of women warriors at the helm. Are these too close to, to be a big... Oh, that's tough. It's a, this is a battle, right? Yeah, that's a, that's a head-to-head battle. That's going to be... Hmm. All right. Uh, for the next bracket, we have the last and final sword bracket. We have The Rage of Dragons by Evan Winter versus The 10,000 Doors of January by Alex E. Harrow. 
Uh, Rage of Dragons won Reddit's Fantasy Award for Best Debut Fantasy Novel, uh, which is cool. The Omehi people have been fighting an unwinnable war for almost 200 years. The lucky ones are born gifted. One in every 2,000 women has the power to call down dragons. Mm. Uh, And then The 10,000 Doors of January uh, was an L.A. Times bestseller. In the early 1900s, a young woman embarks on a fantastical journey of self-discovery after finding a mysterious book in a captivating and lyrical debut, says the L.A. Times. (laughs) Fantastic. And then for Laser, uh, for the first bracket, we have A Memory Called Empire by Arcady Martin versus Lagoon by Nettie Okorafor. Uh, yeah, uh, a memory called Empire. Uh, Arcady Martin. She won uh, Library Journal Best Book 2019, Guardian Best Science Fiction and Fantasy Book 2019, NPR Favorite Book 2019, Polygon Best Book, Den of Geek Best Book, Whoa. Goodreads Biggest SFF Book of 2019, Goodreads Choice Award nominee. Uh, it's intrigue matters of empire ambassador Mahit Zmer arrives in the center of the multi-system Texcalani empire only to discover that her predecessor, the previous ambassador from their small, but fiercely independent mining station has died. Uh, if it sounds spacey, well, you're right. Uh, (laughs) it's, it's, it's totally like mining and space opera and empires. And, uh, I don't know. It's got a, it's got a cool vibe. And then it's up against Nettie Okorafor's Lagoon. Uh, it's up to a famous rapper, a biologist, and a rogue soldier to handle humanity's first contact with an alien ambassador. That sounds kind of amazing, too. Ooh, boy. All right. So both of those kind of feel like uh, early potential Hugo nominees as well. Yep, sure. <laughs> so there's that. Um, for the next bracket, we have Children of Time by Adrian Tchaikovsky versus Callahan's Cross Time Saloon by Spider Robinson. Children of Time uh, tells the story of the last remnants of the human race left a dying earth to find a new home among the stars. Following in the footsteps of their ancestors, they discover the greatest treasure of the past age. <gasps> a world already terraformed. What? Where'd that come from? And then Callahan's Cross Time Saloon is the neighborhood tavern to all of time and space where the regulars are anything but regular. Pull up a chair, grab a glass of your favorite, and listen to the stories spun by time travelers, cybernetic aliens, telepaths, and a bunch of regular folk. I thought that was the Sword and Laser pub. Yeah, it really is. This is from 1987. Uh, This is one of the older ones in the tournament. Very cool. All right. Next bracket, we have This Is How You Lose the Time War by Amala Mothar uh, and Max Gladstone. Yeah. So this is a team up. Uh, Two time traveling agents from warring futures work their way through the past and begin to exchange letters and fall in love. Oh, boy. And that's that's going up against another friend of the show, uh, Annalie Newitz, with the future of another timeline. Right. Uh, Time versus time. 1992, after a confrontation at a Riot Girl concert, 17-year-old Beth finds herself in a car with her friend's abusive boyfriend dead in the back seat, agreeing to help her friends hide the body. The murder sets Beth and her friends on a path of escalating violence and vengeance as they realize many other young women in the world need protecting, too. Uh, it, it, if that you're like, wait, is that that's not time travel? It also takes place in 2022. Uh, determined to use time travel to create a safer future, Tess has dedicated her life to visiting key moments in history and fighting for change. So mm, the rest okay. would be a spoiler. And then finally, we have All Systems Read by Martha Wells, Up Against the Female Man by Joanna Russ. 
Yeah. Uh, Martha Wells, All Systems Red, The Murder Bot Diaries. Uh, w- uh, winner of a 2018 Hugo Award. Winner of a 2018 Nebula Award. Winner of a 2018 Alex Award. Winner of a 2018 Locus Award. Uh, here's the quote. As a heartless killing machine, I was a complete failure. <laughs> um, you and know, then, I made... Well, go ahead. Oh, The Female Man by Joanna Russ. Mm-hmm. Uh, this comes from the past as well. I can't seem to find a date on on this one. Let me, let me go to a different version of this. Um, living in an altered past that never saw the end of the Great Depression, Janine, a librarian, is waiting to be married. Joanna lives in a different version of reality. She's a 1970s feminist trying to succeed in a man's world. Janet is from while away, a utopian earth where only women exist. And Jail is a warrior with steel teeth and cat-like retractable claws from an earth with separate and warring female and male societies. When these four women meet, the results are startling, outrageous, and subversive. And that is March Madness, everybody. Indeed. So we will start the voting the first week of March uh, with uh, our first. Actually, no, no we'll, we'll be starting it starting it this Thursday. So depending on when you're you're listening, uh, it will even perhaps Sweet. already be uh, underway. Go go check out your local Goodreads for the polls. Fantastic. All right. Well, now it is time for quick burns. And uh, you know how a minute ago I said Hugo's? I should have also said Nebula Awards because uh, some of these books are, in fact, already nominated. Um, so we can't claim the sword and laser effect this time for, for most of these, uh, except maybe one. We shall see. Uh, but Mark says, here are the nominees uh, for Best Novel, Marquis of Cain by Charles E. Gannon. Yay! Mm. Uh, the 10,000 Doors of January by Alex E. Harrow. A Memory Called Empire by Arcady Martin. Mm-hmm. That's an attorney. Yep. So is 10,000 Doors of January. Um, And a uh, Gods of Jade and Shadow by Sylvia Moreno-Garcia. Gideon the Ninth by Tamsin Muir. And a Song for a New Day by Sarah Pinsker. Mm -hmm. Okay, those are good ones. I can't wait to to see how that all shakes out. But I I, I haven't read them all, but they they all have good buzz. Uh, And then in January, I'm sorry, Jan. Jan, not Jan. Not Jan. Not Jan. I'm going to guess. Actually, Jan didn't tell us. Uh, but, uh, Jan is probably Jan cause Jan is a, he from Germany. Um, the says the LA times has announced its nominees for their first Ray Bradbury prize for science fiction, fantasy, and speculative fiction sponsored by the Ray Bradbury literary works, part of the 40th annual LA times book prizes. The inaugural nominees are exhalation stories by Ted Chang. Black Leopard, Red Wolf by Marlon James. That was in last year's tourney. Nice. Song for the Unraveling of the World by Brian Evanson. This is How You Lose the Time War by Amal El-Motar and Max Gladstone in this year's tourney. Mm-hmm. And The Old Drift by Namwali Serpil. Isn't it interesting that none of the books are the same? I think it's different, different qualifications. Obviously, Black Leopard, Red Wolf was up for Hugo's last year. So it wouldn't mm, okay. be, I don't think it would be in the nebulas again. In fact, it might've been up for a nebula. I'm, I'm, I'm not remembering exactly, uh, but yeah, like these seem to be taken from a wider time range. Yeah, maybe I, 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 I didn't read the actual article about it, so I'm going to pop in there and see what's what. Um, but I'm curious to see, I, I don't, this is a new award, so I don't know what the criteria is. Um, let me just see if there's something about it here. Um, I can't no, read it because it anything. says I've reached my uh, maximum amount of free articles. Even though I pay for the LA Times, I'm not logged in 
and I don't feel like logging in just to read this article right now. So I'm relying on you. Got it. Got it. Yeah, it's 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 not saying what the criteria is in this particular article. Um, okay, the prize honors Bradbury's literary legacy by celebrating writers working in his field to di- to today. So, so they're thinking like, what would Ray Bradbury like? Okay. Kind of. I mean, okay. I imagine it's not strictly that way, but it's coming at a different perspective than the next. Yes. Nebulous. Yeah. All right. Fair enough. Uh, we have a sponsor today. We do. Yeah. Uh, we are we are sponsored today by Uncanny Collateral, book one of the Valkyrie Collection by Brian McClellan. Thank you, Brian, for supporting the show. It's a fast-paced urban fantasy series about a collection agent who works for the supernatural underworld of Cleveland, Ohio. Modern-day slave Alec Fitz collects debts owed to demons, Haitian Lao, vampires, and a diverse Rolodex of other clients. Sounds pretty good. Uncanny Collateral kicks off with a visit from Death, the great constant himself. We've been reading about Death mm-hmm. recently on Sword and Laser. Uh, Death needs a job done quickly and quietly. Aided by his best friend Maggie, a djinn who shares Alex's slavery, Alex sets off on what quickly turns into something more than a simple odd job. As the stakes escalate, Alex must use all his wiles and brawn to set things right in Death's realm. Book two, Blood Tally, finds Alec working for a cantankerous old world vampire with more secrets than he lets on, and that was released in mid-February. So... Brian's a friend of the show. We're asking you to support his work if it sounds interesting. And just to give you a little incentive, Sword and Laser listeners can get 10% off signed copies of the Uncanny Collateral hardcover by using this code SL2020. We'll have it on the website, too, at checkout uh, at Brian's website store. So head over uh, to Brian's store at brianmcclellan.com and use that SL2020 uh, to check out. Thank you so much. Very cool stuff. All right. Well, now it is time for Bear Your Sword, which is our feedback from the audience. And I just had a couple here this week because I think we're going to have a lot to talk about for our book wrap up of Gideon the Ninth later in the show. Uh, But Chaos Librarian says, at Sword and Laser, hello. I love your podcast, and this seems relevant to what you do, so I thought I'd share. And this is an article, Tom, and I was wondering if you've actually heard about this, uh, but it's a new website that actually helps small local bookstores compete against Amazon. Have you read about this? Uh, I've I've seen similar things before. Uh, I haven't read about bookshop.org before I saw this tweet, actually, the same, same time you did. Uh, but this is great. Uh, I know when I worked... At a small chain, it wasn't exactly an independent bookstore, but we were really struggling. And this was in 1996, mind you. Uh, we were really struggling trying to figure out like how to sell things online. How mm-hmm. should we do it? Uh, there's there's other parts of this that involve inventory management uh, that that are necessary to really make it work. But this is great if you're the kind of person who's like, look, I don't just want to undermine my local bookstore, uh, but I also can't always get to the bookstore and it's convenient to have stuff mailed to you. Well, bookshop.org sounds great. Yeah. So it's, it's still in beta mode. It's designed to be an alternative to Amazon, uh, but it's also supposed to, as, as we said, generate income for independent bookstores, uh, but it also has a separate affiliate program uh, for bloggers, you know, podcasters, publications who rely on that Amazon affiliate income as, as part of what helps them run. Um, Bookshop does a 10% commission for affiliate publications, which, as the article says, is more than is about twice uh, Amazon's 4.5% affiliate commission. So that's that's a pretty good deal, too. That's a good good yeah. reason to try it out. 
hopefully that they don't get themselves in trouble by giving too much commission. Uh, I know it sounds good that, that it's like, Oh, they, they're, they're more generous than Amazon. But, uh, one of the reasons that you don't give high commissions like that usually is because you can't afford to. Mm -hmm. Uh, so, so I hope they've either done the math or, or they figured out how this, this can work out. Uh, I'm sure they have. Uh, and, and I love the idea of it. Very cool. Richard Marple also tweeted us, uh, and said, the Jim Butcher series about Romans in a fantasy world is Furies of Calderon. You probably <laughs> looked it up already. I did not look it up. Um, this was, do you remember I was talking about how there was a, uh, um, uh, yeah, I um, last, last episode, last you, were episode one, you were trying to remember this Jim novel, Butcher, the, the Jim Codex Butcher Alera. series. Yeah. Yes. And this was it. So thank you to Richard and thank you. Uh, I believe several other people in the forums also <laughs> reminded me. Um, so I will never forget again. All right. Now it is time for our book of the month discussion. But first, uh, we want to talk about our kickoff because, you know, even though we were doing March Madness, that's for the April pick. We still need to read a book for the <laughs> month of March. Don't forget. Yes. Uh, and because Rob wanted to put the March pick in the newsletter where he announced the nominations thread for March Madness, uh, we announced it early and a lot of you have already finished it. We, we haven't even <laughs> kicked it off yet, uh, which is to your credit, uh, uh, voracious readers. The Light Brigade uh, by Cameron Hurley is is the choice uh, for this month, there's a, a book briefing went up on Patreon uh, uh, last week. Uh, if you want to, if you're at the Patreon level where you can read that, uh, you can go get some of the details about it there. Uh, it is on a lot of lists as a possible Hugo nominee. It did not get a Nebula uh, nomination, but it's a military sci-fi. And one of the interesting things I noticed on the Goodreads was a lot of people just not wanting to read it at all. Uh, which is always your choice. I mean, we we try to pick books that will expose you to a wide variety of of, of elements in the genre. Mm -hmm. uh, but we understand that that sometimes you're just not going to like it. We always encourage you to try it before you decide that. But we understand that that isn't always possible. But I think hopefully this thread on Goodreads has disabused some people of the notion of they didn't like Cameron Hurley's fantasy. And so they probably won't like this because I have not read Cameron Hurley's fantasy, but from the people like Silvana who have, it sounds like this is much different. It's much tighter writing. It's military sci-fi. Mm -hmm. uh, and it is very Starship Troopers-like in the sense that it is using some of the same tropes, but it turns them on their head. It's very straightforward, even though it is a time travel story. Uh, the the time travel is handled well, and I never get confused as it moves from one to the other. In fact, it's one of the most fun aspects is waiting to see how the pieces of the puzzle fit together. So have you have you started reading it already? I, oh, I finished. You finished I'm it. One of those people that I was just talking about. Yeah. I guess I wasn't paying enough attention to I, your conversation to <sighs> Rob because I have no. I'm not mad. I'm not no, mad. No, no, I. This I is one of those books when I when I talk about uh, when I talk about I I have those levels of I have to read it I go to read it and I'm happy to read it or I want this was one that I wanted to read I kept finding excuses to pick mm, this up okay. I was just totally captured by it I like it I'm gonna do the audiobook yeah uh, Cara Gee uh, who's drummer in uh, the Expanse reads it oh how fun yeah. 
She doesn't read it in drummer's belter accent. That's my only criticism. Mm, she, that would have she, made it. Yeah. She uses her real voice. It's <laughs> probably better. But <laughs> I didn't even know she had a real voice. I thought this is right, how yeah. she talked. She's not actually a belter. <laughs> Weird. Yeah. Um, cool. Well, I'm excited. I'm excited to listen to this one. I think that'll be fun. Uh, and, good pick. Uh, last episode when I, I was talking around whether I was going to pick this one or not, this was the one I was talking about picking. I see. I see. Well, I um, the reason I'm picking the audiobook um, is because I'm reading something else on on Kindle right now, and that something else is Harrow the Ninth. Ah, you kept going. Nice. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not out yet. Not out until June second. Um, but our friends over at Tor and NetGalley uh, made it happen, <laughs> so that was very exciting. Um, so yeah, I'm 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 really I'm I'm stoked. It's it's so far so good. But we'll we'll get to that in a little bit. Um, let's talk about the the first book in the series, Gideon the Ninth. Of course, um, I I have to say this is like one of my favorite books that I've read in a really really long time. And for once at the Sword and Laser meetup, it was it was pretty uh, universal, unilateral uh, that people all enjoyed it. Um, except our newest member, Joanna. Hi, Joanna. Um, she was a little bit like a little more iffy on it, but no uh, judgment there. You're, yeah. Uh-huh. Like we said, it takes all kinds. Um, but I, I just, I loved it. And in spite of that early first feeling of like, Ooh, I don't know. The modern talk kind of gets to me. I quickly became completely enamored of Gideon, uh, and her, her ways. Um, and even their relationship between Gideon and Harrow, um, right from the beginning, I was like, okay, they they act like they hate each other. They're going to be friends. Oh, uh, yeah. Like, you I just, saw that like, coming, I had, huh? this, <laughs> had this sense that either they were going to actually kill each other or, or you know, work together towards the end. Um, and yes, it was uh, from the audiobook perspective, uh, which, by the way, was fantastic. I, uh, Mo- Moira Quirk is the is the narrator, and she's one of my my favorite audiobook readers. Um, so that was a fun treat. Uh, but right away, it was a little difficult at times to keep all of the the necromancers and their cavaliers straight in my mind, uh, just because. You know, there were at least two from each house. Sometimes there were more members of the house. Uh, they all had their, you know, kind of difficult to understand uh, Romanesque names. Um, you know, I, I, I finally, like halfway through the book, realized that the the names were related to the numbers of the house. Right. Like, you we know, yeah. yeah, exactly. Um, so that was that was helped a little bit uh, after a while. Um but I loved the the mystery. Like I thought it was really fascinating. And as all of this becomes, you know, Gideon's kind of like a an unreliable narrator. Sometimes uh, she doesn't always know the whole story of what's going on, and so much is kept from her um, through through um, through Harrow. Like doesn't tell her all the information that she has or that she's working with. And so sometimes it was a little frustrating, like just work together. Like you, there's, there's not enough keys for all of you to just collaborate, but they were so different. It was hard for them to, to put aside those differences to, to come together at the end. Yeah. I, I, I agree with you. Like I kind of knew that we wouldn't be introduced to the relationship in the way we were, if it wasn't going to not turn out the way it looked at the beginning, right? Like mm-hmm. this isn't just a, I hate her. She hates me forever. This was going to be a love hate relationship, which it was. I, I found the uh the way they brought them together over time believable i thought it was done done well uh to where they were just slowly started begrudgingly uh appreciating each other's value and then the twist mm-hmm. spoiler alert 
where suddenly <laughs> Gideon be just is subsumed in Arrow. <laughs> I was like, oh, okay. Wow. Uh, that, I wasn't expecting that. I, I was expecting the relationship to evolve, but not like that. That, that was crazy. Yeah, they that that relationship definitely uh, uh, evolved. Um, I thought that was that was pretty fascinating because yeah. you knew you knew for the story to go on that Hera was going to have to become a lictor. Like it just like that was to me. It felt l- like it was definitely Unless going they were to happen. Make Gideon become a lictor and like subvert mm. the rules or something, which I guess she could have done, but yeah. Uh, I, I I think you're right. This is the more. And then, so how does that happen? And the only way that happens we is find if, out. yeah, we eventually find out is that Gideon, she sees that there's no way out of this. Robert in our book club really, I think astutely pointed out that that final battle battle felt very like anime. <laughs> like it felt mm. like a turbo anime battle, mm-hmm. um, which I thought was kind of cool. Yeah. Yeah. I can and, see that. So they get to this point where they're like, there's no way out. Like, there's literally no way out. We're going to die here. There's only and Gideon is finally the one who's like, this is, you know, you you have to go with this or this is all for nothing and we're all going to die. And I just thought it was really it it was so bittersweet at the end, especially when Gideon is still there in Harrow's mind, guiding her and teaching her how to use the sword and what to do and, and being her her you know, eyes and ears for that kind of fight was so, so tender and ro- romantic, but not in a romance way, like loving. It was loving. That's a really good word for it. Yeah. Yeah. It, it felt very loving. And it just, to me, it was like the perfect ending. Yeah. I can't, I can't disagree. Um, I, 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 as I said, last episode, can't imagine a world without Gideon at all. And I yeah. know you're reading the book, so I don't even want to look at your face when I say <laughs> that. But love the character of Gideon. She's one of my favorites. Yeah. Um, did you have any other any other favorite characters? No. I mean, I, I actually said a lot of what uh, of my thoughts the last episode mm-hmm. uh, about this. I didn't have any other favorite characters per se. Um, it was it was all about Gideon for me. But I thought the the panoply was a little confusing at first mm-hmm. uh, because there were so many of them, but thankfully they killed off a lot of them <laughs> Very pretty quickly. Uh, and, and, and the ones that remain towards the end, uh, even the ones that die towards the end, I, I thought were, were well fleshed out. And, and I enjoyed this, this idea of you are all against each other, but you need to cooperate to succeed. And it, in a weird way, I know this might sound really odd to people who don't watch these sorts of shows. It felt like The Voice or American Idol or <laughs> one of these reality shows where <laughs> only one of them will win. Mm-hmm. But if you've ever watched them, you see, and some of this is staged in propaganda, but but even carried out in interviews later after the fact when they don't have to, to be nice, uh, people say, no, we really bonded with each other because only we understood what we were going through, even mm-hmm. if we were competing you know, we felt like we were all in it together. Uh, and, and I got that sense, uh, from at least some, not all, uh, of, of the, the Lichter candidates, uh, that they, they realized like, well, we're the only ones who understand how this works and we're the, we have to cooperate to survive. So it's a much more extreme example of that. So I actually really loved, I think I talked about this on the last episode. Um, I really loved Palamides Sextus of the sixth house, um, he was definitely one of my favorites uh, and Camilla Hecht, uh, his cavalier. And we still don't actually know what happened to Camilla. 
Like we're not sure Camilla's I, That's right. dead. Yeah. Uh, so that, I think there's a few people potentially who might still be around for the next mm. book. Under some rubble somewhere. Potentially, yeah. yeah. Um, but they're, you know, the sixth house. We'll talk more about this. Actually, I'll save save it for the cast, as they say. Um, more talk on on which house we think we, we align most closely with a little bit later. Um, but yeah, what else did I love? I loved that it was it was definitely a fantasy and a science fiction novel. I mean, I think it it really scratched both of those itches for me. Um, mm. could have been a little more spacey, I guess, were it to be a laser pick, but not, I was not gonna too say, bad. Yeah. I don't know that I would feel comfortable picking this as a laser because the space is all in the background. The space mm, is for now. irrelevant mm-hmm. and it's not a space opera. It's not like we're traveling through space, having adventures and we'll talk about space, but we won't get scientific. Like it is literally like, oh, a shuttle came. And now I should have landed. It's a locked and, room mystery. It's, yeah. you know, that's what There's it is. There's a little bit of technology in the locked rooms, but even that technology is mostly powered by magic. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I feel like this is 90% sword. Well, I meant, I meant like uh, genre wise, it's like a locked room mystery, but there were yeah, also yeah, know, literal absolutely. locked rooms <laughs> yeah. in this particular case. Um, and so I, I, the mystery of it, I found very fascinating and, you're right and there's fun. probably more mystery than than sci-fi in it yeah it might just be a, a straight up mis- genre mystery novel magic mystery there's magic though there's bone magic so. there's magic there's science credit. fiction there's mystery there's it's murder everything to everyone it's got it all it's got it all um but let's let's read a little bit about what the um what our friends over on goodreads thought. oh my gosh i love lee's post I want every I want someone, maybe it's Lee, to do this for every book we do from now on. It's the write the blurb challenge. Uh Lee said the blurb was misleading on Gideon the Ninth. You may or may not agree, but uh it's his belief of that has led to the best thing ever, which is I know we have some really good authors here. Let's see how you do. Write a blurb for Gideon the Ninth. I love it. All right. So uh let's see. Lee's own entry is a snarky, thrilling gossip. <clears throat> nope. Start over. A snarky, thrilling, gothic mystery full of skeletons, necromancers, and cavaliers that is full of sword fight and action, but never takes itself too seriously. Hmm. I like mm-hmm. that. I like that. Jan wrote, it has fencing, fighting, torture, dark mysteries, necromancers, skeletons, betrayal, loyalty, true snark and fun. This is not a kissing book. That's good. That's good. Uh, Trike is goth girls who might be lesbians do stuff that could be construed as in space. And then he says, I yeah, I got Trike nothing. was just being snarky. He wasn't really writing a good blurb. <laughs> is that what you do you think so? Well, he wrote, yeah, I got nothing. <laughs> I know. So, I know. I was being but, sarcastic. Oh, you were being sarcastic. I was being sarcastic. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then um, Fresno Bob uh, pointed to a YouTube uh, video that I have not watched uh, saying, I still think Warren Ellis won the blurb war for me on this book. I've been trying to come up with something around a necromantic Kim deal from the Pixies <laughs> screaming bone machine while sweating blood, uh, but failing. I'm, I don't know, I'm Fresno here. Bob. I think you succeeded. I I'm here that. for it. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Um, so I think this is fun. So if you have if you have an idea for your own blurb, head over yes, please. and add them in. All right, next, this this thread I loved. Um, Taddy wrote about uh, 
some 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 thoughts, some some uh, some interesting thoughts. And uh, first, they say uh, when I found out about this month's read, I came out of my lurking corner, like all like all like my time has come. I stumbled upon uh, getting the night thanks to the Lesbian Network, where you hear bird calls when a new book is coming mm-hmm. out. Since it's like I don't know three a year, and I'll admit the start was rot, but somehow I fell in love with the book and its characters. One thing that helped me get over the anachronistic parts of it, especially when I caught a meme among words, was this interview with the author. And there's a Spotify link that that she links to. Um, and then talks a bit more about Tamsin's intent and, and how, uh, you know, Gideon being an unreliable narrator was um, really kind of the point that you should trust Gideon's actions more than her words. Um, but the spoiler that, that uh, Taddy includes in here is really what gets me. So she says, I brainstormed this with a friend and we came into the conclusion that the houses, numbers, and themes had more meaning than just classic Greek myths. We realized that the first planet was quite possibly Earth and the ninth was, of course, Pluto, which makes everything in between our solar system. Mm -hmm. And after much Google foo, we ended up with the order of the houses based on how easily you could settle on said planet. So here's the order we ended up with. Mercury, Hermes, 6th. Venus, Aphrodite, 7th. Earth, Gaia, 1st. Mars, Aries, 2nd. Jupiter, Zeus, 3rd. Saturn, Kronos, 4th. Uranus, Uranus, 5th. Neptune, Poseidon, 8th. Pluto, Hades, ninth. So that makes a lot of sense out of the ninth house being cold and mm-hmm. underground. And mm-hmm. uh, I, I, I like this theory. I like it quite a bit. Um, and it, and I, I was assuming that the first house was Earth as well. Uh, I wasn't jumping to the conclusion that every other planet was in the solar system, but it would make more sense. It makes sense, right? There's nine houses, nine planets in the solar system. Um, Well, there's eight planets and several dwarf planets and only one dwarf planet is included here, but sure. This is, this is also what like, I I forget who said it at book club, but someone said that it makes sense that the ninth planet being Pluto, which is like, it wasn't quite a house or like, it wasn't like really like it was kind of like barely holding on to its, house status right right it's, you know it's status as a house yeah yeah no it's that tenuous. makes sense yeah right. so i thought that was People that was are pretty wanting funny to deprecate it yeah. right yeah. i like that um so great great ideas taddy I, I liked your theories and uh your research thank you and then lauren posted a thread which house are you in uh, uh, saying uh the link to tour.com mm-hmm. is a handy tool Uh, I think this could be a somewhat more complicated version of the Harry Potter sorting hat scenario. Being that my profession is a librarian, I probably align most closely with the sixth house Mm -hmm. with their orbital library and love of books and all that. However, I love the fifth house's ability to speak with the dead. Mm. So the link Mm -hmm. takes you to uh, a, a like graphic representation of all the houses and their mottos. And I really liked this this poem that comes when you read about all the houses. It goes, um, two is for discipline, heedless of trial, three for the gleam of a jewel or a smile, four for fidelity, facing ahead, five for tradition and deaths to the dead, six for the truth over solace and lies, seven for beauty that blossoms and dies, eight for salvation, no matter the cost, nine for the tomb and for all that was lost. Uh, do you have one that, that you know you'd pick? I feel 60 as well. I was going to say six. Yeah. Mm, mm-hmm. I mean, I think we'd all like to say six. I know. I know. <laughs> I'd like a sorting hat kind of, uh, kind of, uh, test. 
to weed out my own prejudices. Yeah, I do feel like I, you know, I do love tradition. So maybe fifth house mm-hmm. and also mm-hmm. like any house that that birthed uh, Sir Magnus uh, Quinn is is definitely a, a house that I want to be part of because he was my favorite. So, yeah, their strengths are tradition, history and cohesion uh, that makes the fifth house an unshakable monolith. Mm hmm. Well, go check it out. Uh, thank you, Lauren, for sharing that link. And uh, go on, on over to tour.com. Most of the people in the thread are wanting to be in the sixth house. Although Tassie Dave wrote third. Third. So third. Yeah. Third is the uh, the mouth the of the emperor. The mouth of the emperor. The yeah. house of the shining dead. The third house is the vanguard of trend in the empire, setting fashion and sparking gossip with their every move. Not only do they start rumors, they also diligently collect intelligence, both personal and political. And so that, of course, was the house of Coronabeth Tridentarius and Ionthe Tridentarius. So that's a, that's a pretty good one, too. Cannibalization of Thanergy from corpses. Not bad. I could see the appeal. Mm, mm-hmm. Um, I What is the other one I liked? Um. Yeah, seventh house, that makes sense because they're the ones, uh, seven for beauty that blossoms and dies, their whole thing with Dulcinea and how yep, they kind of like kept yep. her locked away. Um, and then eighth house, of course, is, you know, creepy Silas Octokisseron, um, who liked to who suck the life out of his cavalier. Right, that's second house, right? Eighth. Oh, well, second house also uh, can absorb life energy from the living. That's weird. Yeah, second house was um, Judith Deuteros and and Marta Dias. They were the um, the real all business. What's the difference between taking Thanergy from a living thing and soul siphoning? I guess it's a soul versus life energy. That's the difference. Okay. Yeah, there's answer a- my own question. There you go. There you go. Well done. Um, that wraps up this episode. Um, thank you for reading Gideon the Ninth with us. Uh, very exciting. I, I did talk to the, um, publicity folks over at tour. So there's a chance we might be able to get a, an interview, um, with, uh, Tamsin Mir, uh, sometime closer to the release of Harrow the Ninth in June. Uh, so we'll let you know if we're able to, to nab that because I would love to have her on the show. That'd be super fun. Um, or, you know, if we end up going to... To Worldcon in New Zealand, I don't think we're probably going. I don't. I don't think we're probably going. I know I would too. There's so much happening that month. Okay. Well, let's not get caught up in that now. We'll we'll try to get a Skype interview first. See how that goes. Yeah, let's let's start there. Um, but if you want to get in touch with us, as always. Um. Oh, but first, no. I got I got all tied up there. Okay. Our show is entirely funded by you, our patrons. Thank you to all the folks who back our show. If you want to help support us, you can head over to patreon.com slash sword and laser. You can also support the show by buying books. Uh, we have links to the books we talk about on the show and some of our favorites at swordandlaser.com slash picks. Our email address is feedback at swordandlaser.com. Our website is swordandlaser.com. All of our discussions happen over on goodreads.com slash swordandlaser. And you can call and leave us a voicemail at 415-7-SWORD-6. I'm not even drunk. I don't know why that end part was so hard. That's the problem. That's the problem. Bye. This podcast is part of the Frog Pants Studios Network. For more information about this and other shows, visit frogpants.com. Audio program so good, it's like you're there.